You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show continues. I'm Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody, the producer, Noah Adler as well. Not a lot of hockey going around. It is the all-star break, so I'm doing a little bit of a going around who's in the playoff spots around the Western Conference and uh, the team that lies right in front of the Calgary Flames in a second wildcard spot, the Colorado Avalanche. And we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to uh, talk with uh, one of the writers from the Colorado Avalanche for the Denver Gazette, Kyle Fredrickson. How are you doing on this Friday, Kyle? I'm doing well, and I got to admit, you know, I think the break is nice for for players here with the All-Star game, but it's not so bad with the the media either. I'll I'll take a few days off myself. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Again, thank you for doing this. I know it is your bye week as well. I know all our Flames guys have been uh, away for a bit, so uh, we try to fill a lot of airtime this week. So glad to help you. No problem. Yeah, help help me out here for the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, So, yeah, we'll talk about the Avs here. They're entering the All-Star break 7-3 and in their last 10. We've seen where this club was at at the start of the year, and of course, a lot of that had to do with with the injuries. But this was also a team that had to replace their second line center in Nazem Kadri. They had a new goalie. It's been a slog to get to this point, but the Abs have clawed their way back into a playoff spot. Give us a little uh, crash course on how the Abs have gotten to this point. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think you you summed up some some main points there pretty well. But I would you know argue that this is arguably Jared Bednar's best coaching job, you know, outside of obviously winning the cup. I mean, it it takes, you know, quite a job to do that. But when you look at this avalanche team and the fact that they're still in this playoff picture with everything that's gone wrong this season, really starting with the absence of Gabe Landeskog, Mm -hmm. their captain uh, out with knee surgery all year, expected to be back in January. And, you know, now here we are at the start of February and and the hope is that he's going to be skating after the all-star break. So glimmer of hope there, but yeah, you know, I think from top to bottom, this team has just found a, a way to win. You know, there was a time, I think it was late December, where they had lost seven of eight games. People started to wonder if the attrition had taken its toll. The, you know, the Avs lost a, a really b- a bad home game to the Blackhawks, uh, you know, the worst team in the league at mm-hmm. home. And, and it seemed like everything was falling apart. And all, then all of a sudden they surged again, and, and, and guys were really playing to the best of their abilities. And I think that starts with Miko Rantanen. You know, when, when you think about the guys – who've led this team with so many injuries, including Landeskog, you know, no one's been bigger than Miko. I, mm-hmm. You know, he leads the Avalanche in goals by, I think, a 19-goal margin over Arturi Lekkinen for the second most on the team. Um, you know, and with 34, Miko's third in the league, you know, behind some established stars and, and really showing that he can be that guy on this team when given the opportunity. And it's really been out of necessity um, with Nathan McKinnon also missing double-digit games mm-hmm. uh, with some injury problems, and he's back to being the the same guy that we've expected. Uh, but you know, one other storyline I'd be remiss to to not talk about when discussing why the Avs are in the playoff race uh, is just their goaltending. Yeah. Um, losing Darcy Kemper in the off season, you know, I, I don't think anyone really thought that Kemp's was the reason uh, that the Avs ended up winning the Cup. He was a solid goalie. He was spectacular through the regular season. Um, but I think the abs kind of went into the off season thinking, all right, you know, we, we don't have to overspend at this position uh, and getting a guy like Alexander Gorgiev mm-hmm. out, out of New York in a, a situation where he wanted to be a, a starter for a contender. The abs needed a guy with that mentality. Um, and for the most part, he's played like a, a top 10 goalie on a, on a mid-level goalie contract. And, uh, you know, that speaks just to the decision-making by Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland in the front office here. 
Um, you know, these guys have just been on a roll with some of their personnel choices and up and down the roster, just filling holes. So yeah, there, there's a lot to like about the abs right now. I, I think, you know, they've been streaky this year, you know, winning a bunch of games in a row, losing some in a row. Um, so we'll see if that can stabilize with getting some healthy bodies back. Uh, but they're certainly happy with where they're at because I think, you know, a lot of teams w- would face this sort of adversity and might crumble. But clearly when, when you got that championship DNA, mm-hmm. it matters a lot. Yeah, uh, we'll get into the goaltending here right away. Like, we've heard it a couple times from Daryl Sutter over the last calendar year. He loves to give compliments to the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, he had the waste of eight days comment during the postseason for any team that had to play the Avs. And then uh, just like when the Avs came through here in January, he said that the Avalanche might have the best goaltending tandem in the league. And you mentioned with what Gorgiev has done and what Fransos has done. But, you know, Gorgiev's never played more than 34 games in a season. He's reached that point right now, and he's having a really solid first year, obviously, in Colorado. But, you know, and we know what Pavel Fransos can do because he can get in, he got into the playoffs last year after Kemper got the stick in the eye. Do you agree with the coach of the Flames, and you think the Avs might have the best goalie tandem in the league right now? Yeah, you know, I think they're up there, and I don't know what it is about Daryl, but he sure <laughs> does love complimenting the Avs. You know, for beat writers, it's, it's refreshing. We'll, we'll take the quotes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's been a great, you know, combination for this team, because like you mentioned, there's no doubt about what Francois Springs is, that backup goalie. Um, you know, he was so consistent for the Avalanche when called upon in the postseason, like you mentioned, when Kemper had that eye injury and, you know, just the, the fact that he climbed through this organization, through their AHL, you know, team, spent a lot of time uh, in Loveland, Colorado, uh, before he had this opportunity. And with Gorgiev, you know, I think it was just a, a matter of, of, of great timing, right? Because yeah. the numbers, I think, were, were there in New York when he had his moments, but when he didn't get that sustained play, I think it showed in his game when he came back in and, and, and some of that frustration that he had vented through the media and, you know, people knew he was unhappy there. Um, but I've appreciated, you know, Gorgiev's honesty. He's a real fiery guy. He's emotional. He's very confident. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the other night, but uh, Jordan Bennington was, was back to his antics in the game against the Avalanche and yep. uh, was approaching some guys behind the boards. And here comes Gorgiev. <laughs> yeah, the ref was like, you hey, stay you know, back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go give me the word, and then I'll be down there. But yeah, you know the, the fact that he does that it endears himself to the fan base here. Um, you know, th- this has always been a fan base that has loved its goalies, and there's always goalie chance at, at Ball Arena uh, for whoever's been in net. Going back to you know Philip Grubauer a few years ago, um, and the Abs have, have done a great job of you know developing goalies, and then those guys end up getting big contracts elsewhere with Grubauer and and Kemper. Mm-hmm. So Gorgiev. You know, I think uh, the fact that this is his first time being a starter, he's appreciative of what the abs have given him, that the respect there is mutual. Um, and he's been really solid. You know, there there's have been a few stretches where, where his play has dipped, but that's been true of the entire team. So when you look at the strengths of the avalanche, um, you know, I don't know if I'll go as far as you know, Daryl Sutter and saying that they've got the best tandem, mm-hmm. but they've got a tandem good enough to where, you know, Jared Bednar is sleeping good at night and, you know, goaltender is not among his worries, which is, you know, a big compliment when you consider it was a total unknown going into the year. Uh, we're exactly one month away from the uh, NHL's trade deadline, and uh, the Avs have already dipped their toe once into the market, bringing back Matt Nieto. Uh, I, I, I believe, obviously, the main thing is probably finding a second-line center because I don't think they've seen enough in Alex Kerfoot, uh, Alex Kerfoot to be reliable at second line center that's probably priority number one for Joe Sackick but what else could be on the wish list of the Avs general manager they have about uh, 7.2 million to work with yeah it's, it's a good question and, and and Chris McFarland has has some big decisions to make you mentioned number two center and 
Um, you know, with Bo Horvat off the board, I, I think uh, like a lot of teams, he was a player that the Avs thought could fill in at that number two center role. I mean, with, without Kadri in the lineup going there to Calgary, the Avs have I really have rotated through some some guys, to your point, to, to figure out who's going to fill that spot. You know, my best guess is I do think that the, the Avs are probably going to stand pat for that number two center spot right now, mostly because I think they believe in the talent they have when this roster is fully healthy. You know, Evan Rodriguez has been a huge pickup for them for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he's on a one-year proven deal, and man, he's proven it because he's basically plugged into any part of the lineup and has made every line better. Um, I could see him being that number two center, you know, coming out of the break if mm-hmm. everyone starts to get healthy, if Landis Gog is back. But in terms of other moves, other things to look on with the abs, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they do try to maybe find a, a depth defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been out without their second defenseman pair, uh, you know, for pretty much the last two months, it feels like, in Josh Manson and Bo Byram. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they dipped in and, and maybe went to Chicago and said, hey, Jack Johnson, you know, you want to want to come back to – uh, to play with your old friends again, you know, yeah. uh, another veteran guy who's going to sure up that unit. Um, but, you know, I, I look at sort of what the Avs have done in the past and, you know, some of these offseason moves they made, you know, bringing in Rodriguez. I don't see them being hyper aggressive at the deadline. I mean, I, and I could be wrong there. We'll see. But it just seems like, you know, with the Avalanche and two at this point, every deal they've made, they've made the other team look silly. Uh, you know, they've really yeah. fleeced some teams with, with the way that Joe Sackick has has maneuvered, you know, getting a guy like Arturi Lekkinen from the Canadians. You know, he's been a, a, a top-line winger with Nathan McKinnon, you know, pretty much the, since the second he got to Colorado. Uh, and the Avs didn't have to give up much to get him. So, you know, when, when you're looking around at, you know, the reputation of, of teams in the league, um, the Avs have made some great choices. But I think when you look at just how this season has gone, it would make more sense for them to say maybe trust in the championship DNA they have um, and, you know, let these guys get healthy and, and try to get into the playoffs that way because, you know, they've, yeah. they've already entered the conversation with the roster the way it is now. Obviously, I meant Alex Newhook. I got my Alex's confused. Sure, sure. There. No, I, yeah, all good. I knew what you were <laughs> talking what about. used to be an avalanche and a defenseman, obviously. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but, no, like, so, like, a reunion even, like, I know, like, like Ryan O'Reilly's going to be getting healthy here soon. Would a, re- a reunion with him maybe be on the cards? Or even if possible, you, you mentioned Jack Johnson in Chicago. What about Jonathan Taves if he waves? Yeah, I think those are probably the next two players on the the wish list among, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some local media here in yeah. Colorado and fans. Um, O'Reilly is an interesting one because he's out right now with that broken foot. But, you know, to, to have that kind of presence back on the team, a guy who's a veteran who you know is going to produce points, I mean, that's exactly what the Avalanche want. Um, you know, in, with him and Hayes, though, I, I don't know the, the cap numbers off the top of my head, but it's going to take a little bit of a finesse, maybe a third team to get involved uh, to make the numbers work for the Avs. And, you know, I just wonder if, if they really feel like those upgrades would put them over the top. And it's certainly possible because, man, you think about the way that Kadri lifted this team last year. You know, you don't expect to get the, the same production out of a different player, but, you know, to get a high-caliber player – with that second unit does such a wonders for, for the rest of the group to spread out some of that scoring. So I do think that, you know, those guys who are out though, the, out there, those are two names that are high in the list. And Hey, you know, if you're going to bring Matt Nieto back, you know, why not bring that back? O'Reilly get, get the whole gang together. Exactly. Uh, we didn't, sadly, we didn't get to see him when he rolled through here uh, last month, but hometown boy, Kale McCarr, 
just, you know, he got into the lineup just before the break. He's got two points in two games, but you just take us through just we see him from afar. We've appreciated him, but just seeing him up close on a daily basis and just how special this kid is just starting out already a Norris Trophy winner and what else could be uh, awaiting Kale McCarr in his career. Yeah, it's it's really cool. You know, I tell people, you know, I'm doing this job for a living. Probably the the, the very best part about it is is getting to watch Kale McCarr play hockey every day. Nathan McKinnon is maybe a close one B on that, just because of his skating. I mean, it, he just looks like everyone else is in slow motion when he's on the ice. But Kale is just so unique from so many different ways. And you know, I was lucky. I, I worked for the the Denver Post, uh, you know, for several years before moving to the Gazette, where I'm at now. And had a chance to go to Calgary and, and meet with Kale's parents and, and at Crow Child Twin Arena where he got his star and, and just getting to know them. And, you know, they're just the most humble, down-to-earth people, you know, you'd ever meet. And you see that in Kale. You know, he's, you know, he's got such a worksman's attitude for, for being as, as talented as he is. And, and the thing that I've enjoyed watching this year is just see him really blossom into a leader, right? I mean, yeah. obviously – the way he plays and, and the way he carries himself on the ice, guys are going to see that. And, and that's going to be a, you know, a way for everyone to learn from Kale. But now I think he's using his voice in ways that in previous years, you know, just being so young on this roster, maybe he didn't kind of have that weight to, to do that. But with so many injuries and with guys needing to step up and, you know, Kale wearing the A, of course, it's, it's, it's just really been nice to see him be that guy in team settings and talking after tough losses. You know, I think we've, We've spoken with Kale more than we ever have in the past, just because after every tough game, there haven't been too many of them. Um, you know, Kale is the guy who's there kind of kind of wearing it or, or explaining, um, you know, the, the big penalty that changed things. And, of course, you know, he was the, the talk of the NHL world not long ago for declining a penalty. It was, yeah. you know, it was the most bizarre <laughs> thing a lot of us had seen. In the press box, we're all turning to each other. Did that happen? Is, is, did we all <laughs> interpret that right? And, Amazing. you know, sure enough, Kale's like, yeah, I, I did it. He owned it. He's like, yeah, I probably, probably wouldn't have done it again. But in the moment, it's just it wasn't right. I, I had to do what was right. And. You know, that's really refreshing. I, yeah. I think uh, for the NHL as a whole, there's a lot of, you know, great personalities, you know, good dudes who just play hockey because they love it. And, um, you know, Kale fits squarely in that. And it's a joy to cover him. He's a, he's a great dude. And, man, seeing uh, just some of the plays he makes on a nightly basis, um, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky to have him in Colorado. We're talking with uh, Kyle Fredrickson, Al- Avalanche beat writer at the Denver Gazette. Uh, Makar, one of three Avs uh, in Sunrise uh, for the uh, skills competition and the All-Star game. Uh, McKinnon, Ranton, and Makar will all compete in the splash shot. Well, Makar is in the fastest skater. Uh, how do you like his chances? I think Dylan Larkin might be the betting favorite, but uh, what do you like uh, chances maybe for Kyle uh, Makar tonight in, in the fastest skater? Yeah, that's a good question. I think in, you know, if these guys were to all skate in the offseason, whether everyone was fresh and healthy, I might take Makar. But man, the fact that he's led the league in, in ice time <laughs> this year and has played so many minutes, if I was him, I'd take like a victory lap, right? I might just yeah. kind of soak it in and be like, nah, I'm going to let you guys finish. I, uh, I've been skating pretty hard this year. So based on that, I don't know if he takes it home. But man, in games and, and when he's moving up the ice, mm-hmm. seeing him take it, you know, coast to coast, he he has that speed. I think he's a he's a worthy competitor for sure. Uh, I know we mentioned the injuries at the start, but can we give it uh, give us some updates possibly on some of these guys? I know uh, Captain Gabriel Landeskog getting closer and closer. Val Nichushkin's, uh still injured as well. Josh Manson maybe getting a little closer. And else, uh, Bowen Byron was back skating. So obviously, some still big names out. 
Uh, but how close do you think uh, all of them are uh, from returning? Yeah, so, you know, the the two guys that you mentioned from that list that I think the Avalanche need back the most uh, have got to be Josh Manson and Bo Byram. Um, you know, they've been skating in red uh, with the team in practices at morning skates for, geez, I guess, you know, almost two weeks probably before the break, you know, to some degree. Um, so to see them get back in regular jerseys and practicing with the team again is going to be huge. And, and those sh- should be two guys that, you know, as soon as, you know, maybe Sunday when these guys are, are back to practicing, you know, they should be with the team. You know, the Avs, the, the first game they have back, they're, they're headed out to Pittsburgh on Tuesday. So I think as soon as Tuesday, you know, either of those two guys, they could be on the verge of coming back. Uh, you know, you brought up Val Nachushkin. Been a very weird year for him. He had ankle surgery in the offseason where complications came up and he's been in and out of the lineup ever since. And then all of a sudden he had something upper body, and then it's not totally clear what that is. But he's considered day-to-day by the team, and, you know, for what it's worth, a lot of those day-to-day designations earlier this season had turned into week-to-week to month-to-month. So I think the, the team is hopeful it's short-term. Um, but, again, he's, even with that ankle issue, I think there are long-term injury concerns with Val. We'll just kind of be, you know, tuning in throughout the season to see where he's at. And with Landis Gog, you know, uh, I think the, the most concrete thing we've heard was a TSN report um, you know, that he's expected to be playing in games in early March. Um, you know, I'd say that's just optimistic based on the, the public timeline that we know of. Um, you know, Bednar said that it was planned that it would be tentative after the break um, that Landis Scott would be skating. So, you know, if you think about a month of skating, then, yeah, then maybe he's ready to be back at that point. But talking about m- major knee surgery with the setback in that return timeline, you know, I don't know that Avalanche fans should expect to really see the true Landeskog um, until the playoffs. And if I'm the Avalanche, I've got no reason to rush him back up for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they're already in this playoff conversation without him, you know, I, I think they're happy to see how they're going to ride out this storm until they get him back. Because it's a huge lift, you know, not only from the production standpoint. You know, Landeskog is always among the, the top points producers, but it's so hard to replicate the, the leadership that he brings, of course. given that, you know, he's been the captain of this team since they were, you know, they scored 48 <laughs> points back in, you know, 2016. So he's seen it all and, yep. and carries a lot of weight in that locker room. And, and those guys miss him for sure. Yeah. And I guess uh, with the amount of injuries that they have and that they do, they do expect these guys to return at some point this year, that uh, maybe that the deadline isn't a big priority as much and that maybe they do go get minor moves and that, Hey, you know, some of the best, deadline acquisitions are just some of the guys that you get back into your uh, dressing yeah. room. Uh, Want to step away from yeah. hockey? I don't. I don't know. Have you much been following the the, the other big professional sports team in your market, the Denver Broncos? Uh, they get Sean Payton. Oh, How's the fan reaction uh, to sending a first to New Orleans? And do you think any can he fix Russell Wilson? Man, you know it's it's tough being a Broncos fan lately. And I, and I was on that beat. You know, I, I covered the Broncos from two thousand. 17 to 18 through the Vance Joseph yeah. to, to Vic, Vic Fangio transition. And I mean, that's just, you know, one of like, gosh, eight coaches it seems like they've had <laughs> since they won the Super yeah. Bowl. So yeah, it's it, for a Broncos fans. I think it's a, a mixed bag, right? I don't know if they could feel any worse after this past season with the Nathaniel Hackett mm-hmm. experiment going so poorly. I mean, the expectations with Russell Wilson here, I mean, you guys should have heard the the clips on sports radio. It was like Super Bowl or bust. We got our guy. It was was so insane. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, well, who is this guy? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, leveraging the team's future again, it seems like, in the second offseason with this humongous big, you know, home run swing of an addition to the team. 
I think people are, you know, they're they're happy, but they're cautiously optimistic, right? Because yeah. I think there's there's got to be some roster holes that aren't going to be able to fill through the draft now, based on getting Russell Wilson here, the cap space issues, and now you're you're bringing in a head coach who cost you another first round pick. You know, thank goodness the Broncos uh, made a trade during the season uh, to get that first rounder because before that they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. They sent Bradley Chubb to Miami. So yeah, you know, I think expectations are always high here. This is truly a a football town, even with the avalanche winning the Stanley cup. I mean, the readership, the the sports radio talk, just the overall conversation it's, it's Broncos all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this gives them a lot more talking points though, man. It's exciting. And and you've got a coach here who's won a super bowl. And, you know, I think there was just enough, a glimmer of hope at the end of the year with the way that Russ played after Hackett left that, there's a little bit of optimism, you know, that he's maybe not going to be that elite top tier quarterback, but he could still be a quarterback who gets you to the playoffs and, and maybe makes a deep run. But man, it's, it's been so dysfunctional. I, I got to say, I, I truly enjoy covering the avalanche in a town where uh, the, the NFL team is just, you know, floundering. It's, it's, I don't necessarily take pleasure in their demise, but I'm not mad about it. And it's, it's just got to be so tough with what the other quarterbacks, yeah, with Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert in that division too. Oh yeah, just uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of good football that we played there. But yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, th- there's a lot of great coaches in this state right now, even with college football. Oh yeah, you know, Deion, Deion Sanders yeah. is leading the CU Buffs, and and all of a sudden they're the the talk of the sport. So, um, but I'll take Bednar, man. He's a <laughs> he's a really good talker. He's so honest, and you know, I've I've covered college football and other leagues. It's just I think he's a he's a rarity in that you know he's a he's a guy who's going to give you a great answer, mm-hmm. um, but he's also not going to BS you. You know he doesn't have that car salesman vibe to him. So I uh, I've really enjoyed covering him as well. Yeah, I know he's definitely one of my favorites to to watch from afar. Just and and obviously in the last uh, few weeks here becoming the Avs all time winningest head coach. Kyle, uh, thank you so much for this. Uh, where can we find your work? Absolutely. You guys can uh, be checking out the DenverGazette.com. You know, we've got a young sports staff. We're kind of this up and coming paper that's trying to challenge the post a little bit. And um, of course, find me on Twitter at Kyle Fredrickson, all one word. We post some updates and yeah, you know, looking forward to uh, getting back at this thing. Got a, got a three game road trip uh, that includes a visit to the lightning. So I'm sure those fans will be uh, just thrilled to see uh, the avalanche uh, back in their building. Yeah. Cannot wait for that. Cup rematch. Kyle, thank you. All the best for uh, today, and uh, have enjoy your rest of your weekend, buddy. Gotcha. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's Kyle Fredrickson, Avalanche beat writer at the Denver Gazette, and he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Uh, coming up on the Jeff Merrick Show, following us, uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, NHL insider for Sportsnet and 32 Thoughts, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Annie O'Donnell, she covers a lot of Anaheim sports. Big Duck fan. I know that Annie O'Donnell is one of the best in the business up and coming. Uh, Jeff Merrick, the host of the Jeff Merrick Show, will join Matt Marchese at 11 and then Mike Fuda at 11.35. Uh, up next, we're going to hear from... Uh, I don't know. Adnan Verk, I think we're going to replay here next, coming up at 9.30. Uh, and you're listening. Keep it here. Sportsnet 9.6 of the fan.